Hello and welcome to the Wedding Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Pete the Celebrant, and we are proudly sponsored by Easy Weddings. Easy Weddings helps thousands of couples nail their big day every year. They've got their award-winning directory and their mobile apps. You can book top-rated wedding supplies. They'll help you stay on track with planning tools. Or if you just want help planning your own wedding, just give them a call and they'll literally help you for free. So jump on to easyweddings.com.au to start your stress-free journey down the aisle today. And joining us today, all the way from Miami, is Colin Cowie, who's here to talk about his involvement with weddings and events for high-end clientele and celebrities. Colin has been on everything. The Today Show, The Oprah Winfrey Show, Ellen DeGeneres Show. He's hosted his own TV shows. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he's here today to share with us how Colin Cowie Lifestyle develops weddings and events for others. So allow me to introduce to you the very talented Colin Cowie. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of the Wedding Guide podcast, another episode. And here we are with Colin Cowie all the way from New York. Colin, how are you doing? I'm extraordinarily well and uh, very happy to chat with you. I'm looking forward to our time together. Oh, look, I appreciate you making the time. It's a, it's a wonderful what, Friday afternoon for where you are. It's Friday afternoon and about two hours before I shake my first martini for the weekend. Excellent. Is it a, is a, it's a busy weekend? Um, it's a busy weekend socially. It's extremely busy. Yeah. And then we have big events next weekend and the week after. It's unbelievably busy right now. I don't know what, your, what, what the appetite is for events in Australia right now, but having had everyone on hold for the last almost two years, you know, I always said love never waits for anyone and love never goes out of style. And there's only a certain amount of Saturdays in a year. So all of a sudden Thursdays become the new Saturday. It's that really, is really busy. Lots going on. It's very similar to here. People are getting married Thursdays, people are getting married Mondays. It's uh it's all over the shop. But it's not too bad, but it's it's definitely busy. Everything that was supposed to be done 2021 has now been shifted into 2022. So tell us now, I've read up on yourself. You have your own wiki page, which clearly, you know, if you've got a wiki page, you're doing pretty well. You've done wedding and events uh, for years, but I guess, why don't you tell us how did you start getting into the industry? Why did you start? And where, I guess, how did you build Colin Cowie lifestyle and weddings? So I grew up in Central Africa in Zambia and was educated in South Africa. And in the 1980s was the height of apartheid. And I just didn't believe in the political system. I didn't think there'd be a future for South Africa. And I didn't want to invest my hardest working years not knowing what the foreseeable future might be. Mm. So the where can I go where they speak the same language, the weather's rather similar, and I can start a business. And I landed in Los Angeles on the 16th of September, 1985, with $400, one well-cut suit, an omnipresent suntan, and big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And That's I literally great. started with nothing. And, and, and uh, I worked as a catering company. I chopped, sliced, diced, and peeled. 
and I figured out this is where you get the rentals from, this is where you get this from, this is where the waiters from. And all of a sudden, six weeks later, I had my own small little business and I started doing these parties. And I had this European sense of style. I'd just been in Europe this summer earlier and I'd seen all the way people were entertaining, particularly from a food and beverage point of view. And all of a sudden I was doing parties for these young celebrities. And one celebrity became more important for another celebrity. And the next minute, it was Bruce Willis and Demi Moore and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Barbara Streisand, who were major, major stars at the time. And every time I did a party, it got bigger and bigger. And then I started doing weddings. And how I actually became Mr. Wedding here was to make additional money. I was teaching cooking classes at the Beverly Hills High School Adult Program. And one of the women there was the wife of the president of Playboy. And Hugh Hefner was getting married and they asked me to come as a food consultant. And I had one look at this menu and I had one look at this house and I had one look what they were doing. And I said, it's all wrong. If I were to do this, this is what I would do. So all of a sudden I went from, you know, food and catering to design and then to what the whole look and feel and experience had been. Every time I told the story, someone more important came to listen to the story. And eventually I was sitting in front of Hugh Hefner himself and he said, can you do this? The wedding's in, you know, 12 weeks time. I said, of course I can. And I had no clue how famous the world's most famous bachelor was. And I mean, there was, you know, an insane amount of press on this event. And they kind of got me labeled as Mr. Wedding. And then, you know, that it became a fun journey after that. I, I, I started contributing to a new magazine called InStyle Magazine. No one had ever heard of it before, but because I had all the celebrities, I was able to get the celebrities for the cover of the magazine. Sure. And because of that, I then was approached to do my first book, which was called Effortless Elegance. You know? And then I started my first TV show, which was Everyday Elegance. And then started doing all the licensing and the china and the linens and the silver and the fragrance and the candles and dishes and pots and pans and whatever. Um, and then morning, morning television started. And I got my own show on Wii, where I ran for seven seasons. And then in addition to that, I was eight years on the Today Show, our number one rated morning show here, eight years on the CBS Early Show, seven years in Home Shopping Network, and then I moved to the West Coast, I moved to the East Coast. And then all this huge work started up in the Middle East. This was when there was extreme wealth in the Middle East, probably 15 years ago, there was not that much infrastructure in terms of events. So basically everything came out of London or the US. And I spent more time in the Middle East than I spent in the US going backwards and forwards in these astronomically large, crazy weapons. And it's been a fun journey. I mean, I always did I have the best job in the whole world. I get paid more by other people to spend other people's money, <laughs> making everybody happy. That is uh, quite a career. That is incredible. Starting in Africa. Along the way, you know, I clocked 15 and a half million miles yeah. uh, traveling in the air in search of trying to find the finest and the best and the newest location for my clients and uh, sure. in an extraordinary journey. I'm ex exceptionally grateful and happy. Fantastic. So you're now based and located in New York? Between New York and Miami. I'm actually in Miami right now. Okay. Uh, so I spend my time. Uh, during the pandemic, I did an incredible pivot because no one was having weddings or parties. 
And I had this extraordinary talented group of people that I didn't want to let go. So I kept the real core group together and I focused on all the things that we do events and I geared it and targeted it towards real estate developers who are in the process of refurbishing resorts, clubs and lodges. Mm. And um, I came down to Miami and took three meetings, closed two contracts and six weeks later, I had an office here and I was in business and allowed me really to start a whole new business, a whole new revenue stream that I had always wanted to do, but never had the time to do it because I was always doing events. Now all of a sudden there were no events and had all the time in the world. And the great thing is I've gotten this business up and running, uh, which is one of we working on such exciting projects. And the wonderful thing is, you know, when you do a wedding, the tent comes down on Sunday and it's all over. With all these projects, we're building these incredible things and they're there to stay. So it's been a fun way to redirect my efforts and talents. And now the events business has come back. And I mean, most things are on fire. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your core team and your staff and, and, and how many people do you have working with you? So we used to be about 25. I mean, at the peak, we were like 50 something people. Uh, then we stopped doing a lot of licensing and I started outsourcing. And so we got down to about 25 people. And currently we're 15 people. Yeah. Um, on, you know, and the interesting thing is I had very big fancy offices and also everyone was working remotely. So it's become a new way. We've now take, just taken more office space in Miami because it's necessary. But we've learned, even though it's not the ideal thing to do, we've all learned how to work remotely with one another. You know, I miss sitting around a table with a bunch of fabrics and a red pen, looking over fair plans and talking and having that feedback. But you know, you adapt, you have to adapt. What's the choice? We don't have a choice. Yeah. No, so the core team really is myself and a business partner. Our accounting uh, is all out of our, our Los Angeles office. And uh, I have a creative director who works together with me. We have two design associates that work with them. We have four full-time major senior producers, a couple of junior producers, and IT. And it's, you know, I'm working with a really, really tight team. We're mm -hmm. having, I don't know about what's happening in Australia, but we're having tremendous issues here, two major issues. The first issue is labor. I don't know where everybody went. I don't know, maybe they took all this stimulus checks and unemployment and they've been trading cryptocurrency and retired somewhere on an island. <laughs> but we have no staff. Right. I mean, it's very, very difficult. And also all those people that we on working visas, all those visas were rescinded. It's hundreds of thousands of people. So trying to find a waiter or you know, or casual labor in terms of production or chefs or, or bartenders has become extremely difficult and challenging. And the other thing is the supply chain. You know, so added to that, getting equipment. Equipment has become very difficult. A lot of stuff is sitting in container shops in Los Angeles and Fort Lauderdale. It hasn't made its way. Because of lack of labor, you know, we happen to put our rental orders in a month in advance. And there's no calling saying we've got something sent us these six things. And we did an event the other day and the rental company delivered 285 chairs in boxes, not boxes, boxes that meant they had to be assembled. Right? So it's been difficult, but I know we'll get back to where we were. It's, it's going to take a long time and we get better educated as we get there. We learn skills along the way. It's not yep. going to go away. No, look, there are similar issues here in Australia, definitely with 
staffing, but that's more because when someone you know catches COVID or is almost a close contact, you basically go into quarantine isolation for about seven days. Um, so do that about with two thirds of people, and uh, yeah, everything starts to shut down. But um, you know, you've said something very interesting. I know that we all need to be careful, and we all need to, particularly with this Omicron which, you know, it flew through Africa already. It's plateaued and on the downhill. The same thing is happening down in the US now. But I told my team the other day, we cannot keep on thinking and blaming everything on COVID. No. Our mindset needs to be post-COVID. Right? People say, oh, I can't make that meeting COVID. I mean, everything is hidden behind. Anything that can't happen, there's COVID behind it. Right? <laughs> and COVID has made people lazy. It's not a lazy way as even you're working at home. You do a bit of work, you go and do something. The discipline of day-to-day -day work is not there. And, yeah. and I think we need to get, we need to reel that back in and get to back where we were a little pre-COVID and not living in this idea of fear of COVID, I can't do anything. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get on with your life and start to think post-COVID. What I think I've realized in Australia, particularly in the wedding industry, if someone is unable to do something with COVID, the community of those around them are really able to step up and help. So whether a celebrant's able to step in or a florist or that, are you seeing, are you finding the same as well? Yeah, I think, you know, from that point of view, none of the services, I think everyone's had enough people in their services to provide the service. No one came to me and said, oh my God, the whole company is down because of COVID. Uh, yeah. And I think we've also gotten very careful. We're all used to right now, not going to a restaurant without providing your vaccination. Uh, and uh, you cannot go to a wedding. We have everyone send us their vaccination cards you know, a week beforehand. Anyone who hasn't been vaccinated, we have testing right there on site. They go into a lounge, they have assessed. 20 minutes later, they go into the reception. And I think when we do things like this and all the staff have been checked and people are wearing, you know, staff are wearing masks and you're doing all the right precautions that allows us to get on our life and to live again with confidence and style. Yeah, and we're getting there very slowly, it seems, but we're getting there. Now, tell us a little bit about how you plan weddings. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's any celebrities listen to this show, but I know that the brides who do are obviously curious at how you put together a celebrity's wedding. And maybe that just means it's a little bit more funds put into it. But um, what's the process? You know, whether it's a celebrity or not, it's exactly the same process, right? Yeah. And we figured out there's a pipeline. So they either come to us through word of mouth or they come to us through SEO on our website or a friend or a referral. And we also realize now, and this is an interesting thing, I need to preface this part of the conversation, that 10 years ago, I was closing 80% of the deals that came to me. I'm now closing between 30 and 40%, which just tells you how saturated our market has become. And it sure. tells you how savvy the consumer, the bride and the groom have become. They're all shopping around. It's to come because I was number one. Okay, now they're looking for a deal and they're looking for a bargain. And every conversation, I just want you to know, I'm speaking to four other people. I can tell that already. So as a result, and one of the saddest things about this business is that so many of my contemporaries and other fellow professionals are giving the work away just to be busy. And that's a slippery slope because once the pricing comes down, it's very difficult to take it back up again. 
So I find a lot of people say, I want to do this deal. I want to close the deal right now. What do I need to do? So people have learned to take advantage financially of our industry. Mm-hmm. And rather than holding to pricing, uh, so any of new people, fortunately, the clients that are grandfathered understand why they come to me and why we charge a certain amount of money. But a lot of our industry is giving the services away. That said, we get an inquiry. We realize that we have to respond to that inquiry immediately. So if it comes to the website, there's an alarm. Within 30 minutes, someone has responded because usually the first person in the door is the person that has the biggest chance of closing that deal. Very true. Then we find out as much as we can about them, right? We see if we can get them to get an appointment to come into the office. If we're able to do that, then we'll go look at their social media and find out, is there anyone I know that they know? How much information can I find out about these people? And then we get ready for them to come to the office and it's showtime. Right? So showtime basically means is we can visually identify and we've gone online to see what they look. There's an intern downstairs on the street waiting for the car to stop to visually identify and say, welcome, Mr. Smith, welcome to Colin Curry Lifestyle. Bingo, create the emotional connection right there. Brings them into the elevator, brings them up into a conference room. They sit in seat one and two because it looks up through the glass windows into the rest of the office, which is very elegantly done. And we want people to think, well, I'm in the right place. And then they'll see their names on the screen, personalization. We've created a custom, whatever we've been able to learn about them, slideshow for them that also takes them through our process, our pipeline, from the day that we start to the day that they walk down the aisle and what their business looks like. Now, I will explain what that is now. But in the conference room on the table, all these meetings happen after 4 p.m. in the afternoon. There's a bottle of white wine, a bottle of red wine, a jar of iced tea, there's a selection of cheeses and crackers, there's dried fruits, chocolate covered espressos and salted nuts. And if it's a big fish, I get a lot of Ray macarons and have the initials engraved on them. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. You want to make it, do you want to have a little show time? Yeah, yeah. And then we introduced them to the team who's sitting around the table, which would be myself or business partner, a producer and, and creator. So they realize it's not a one-man team, there's a whole team of people that get to work yeah. on so then we go through a process which we call how we work, right? So we're getting to know one another now. And in, a, in an ideal world, we come to an agreement with one another. The very first thing we do is we put in a critical path, today's date and the day that you walk down the aisle. And every milestone that needs to be met along the way from the proving the save the date to the save the date going out of the invitations, the hair and makeup trials, uh, the creative presentation for them to taste the food, see the flowers, see the tables, everything is laid out. There's no anxiety in their mind ever thinking, have they thought of this or when's it going to happen? So we've now both got a roadmap that we work towards. Yeah. And then we do an in-depth interview with the couple to find out as much about them as we can. Do they have a Pinterest page? What do their Instagram pages look like? Where do they take vacations? How do they want this to be? What's the soul, spirit and feeling of it all? So we absorb all this information and then we come back to them about a week, two weeks later with a whole series of mood boards, an overlying mood board, a mood board for the ceremony, uh, one for cocktail reception, for the dinner, dancing, after party. And then in addition to that, we'll do on bouquets and attire and things along those lines. And while we're refining those mood boards till we're in love with every single picture in those mood boards, simultaneously, Art department starts to draw floor plans. 
work on a rendering, we start to pull colors, fabrics, swatches, et cetera, et cetera. And we start to gear up for a creative presentation. So by this stage, they've now proved everything on paper. And then they pay for a creative presentation to others in our office, or we take a space close by. And if we're doing a room for 300 people, I'd never do the same table 30 times. We create a wardrobe. So there'd be 10 round tables, 10 square tables, five long tables. We set up each one of these. You know, so they get to sit at the table, see the flowers, feel the starch on the napkin, maybe switch out some flat or a plate or two, because everything on the side. So we end up with a look that they are absolutely categorically 100% madly in love with. Yeah. Then we obviously add layer onto that, all the entertainment, all those other things that take place. Uh, we do the menu, the wine pairing, cocktails, we do a tasting with them. And then the whole thing goes into into a proposal and our proposal is 35 pages long it's completely transparent our fee what they spend and our percentage on the bottom line so there's no hidden agenda they yeah. can see and understand where every single cent is spent and i've found that when you're dealing with rich powerful or very successful people they don't want to see holes anywhere they want transparency and the more transparent you are i find the the more freely they're willing to spend because they know where their money is going. Yeah. Then we put it into production and then we start to, you know, our team comes together and then we fly and then it's like it's showtime and we do what we got to do and we run very tidy uh, job sites. We do what we call our Bible, which is maybe an inch thick and it yeah. is diagrams minute by minute, day by day. Every single thing that we've discussed in the last year or 18 months is in that document and it goes in a chronological order. What time, who's responsible, when it happens and how it happens. It's another thing when you give that to the client to think, oh, I can relax now. I know every single thing I've discussed in the last 18 months has been edited and has found its way into the program. So yeah. that all said, I'm not a factory. I don't do hundred weddings a year. Um, this is very, very time consuming work. Sounds like also figured out How do we, because I was losing a lot of the lower work, um, entry level work, yeah. and uh, it would turn out to be a really big part of our business. So a lot of people, because of the Oprah effect, I had a, a real problem after the Oprah Winfrey show where no one thought that they could afford me because Oprah had me on the show 27 times as her favorite party planner. And he flew in 757 jumbo jets and he flew in this and used 2 million roses and that and the next thing. And while it sounded good on television, it basically sent this message saying only billionaires can afford to work with you. So it was a very big perception that I had to change around in the market. So yeah. I created two divisions in the company. There was signature column, which are these high-end events where I'm personally involved with every aspect of it. And then we had a team Cowie which was less expensive. The team creates it, it comes through the same studio, the same people working on it. I'm just not involved in every aspect of it. I don't attend the events and I don't sit in all the meetings. And hence, I'm allowed to do that product considerably less expensively. And that's been the fastest growing area in our business. Right. There you go. That's fantastic. So, yeah. so you, know, you do what you've got to do to yeah. keep moving ahead and being agile and to, to pivot with where the industry's going. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you make sure you've got your finger on the pulse with everything from fashion, design? I just think about being very out there and being out and about. Um, 
and I have a very curious mind. I always like to be very in touch with pop culture. I want to know who's doing what, what's coming from the street, what's coming from where. And uh, also as a designer, I've always had this very innovative approach to my work. And, you know, when everyone was doing straight hours, I said, why don't we do serpentine hours? Why don't we do four hours and get people get married in the round? I've always wanted to do things differently. I've always wanted to look at things through a different lens and find how can we engage and tell your story in some unique manner that you might not have heard before. Because yeah. everyone can do the cookie cutter textbook, right? So I always like to say that my weddings start with you, the couple, your joint DNA. This is not something that you picked out of the book and said, I want this centerpiece that be the next thing. You might like those things, but how do we make that 100% categorically all about you? So it starts with your DNA and then we apply our principles and because it is your DNA, if you look at my body of work, no two projects ever look the same because I've really become their storyteller. I'm telling their story on their behalf, yeah. but I'm you know, filtering it with my level of style, sophistication, knowledge, but it is all about them. Yeah, so love it. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that you develop those two streams. There's one where you are personally involved, signature, and then there's the team. Uh, and that, as you said, you're able to then to help, um, I guess, two ends of the spectrum of those of uh, different people who are planning weddings and, uh, and the means by their planning. So when it comes to couples currently planning their ceremony right now, I guess I'm going to ask this in quite a broad term. With couples planning, what is your best advice for them? I mean, I think, you know, nobody wants to give up on that big dream, on that big idea. And we had a lot of people saying, you know, I'm, I'm having a micro wedding in the last two years. It, honey, there's nothing micro about a wedding, okay? It doesn't matter if you've got 20 guests, 200 guests, or 1,000 guests. You have to tick the same boxes. Right. Mm. So the only micro part of it was the guest list. It was the same amount of work that went into that. And I'm finding now that there's this thirst, there's this hunger, there's this need, there's desire. We want to be entertained. We want to dance. We want to drink. We want to be with our friends. We want to have a good time. We want to travel again. 18 yeah. months ago, we were all shit scared because we couldn't travel. We didn't know. We thought it was going to be in the air. You could catch it in your eyes. You could catch it on your shoes. It would come looking for you. But we're starting to get so much closer to where we were pre-COVID. From a point of view, the airlines have figured out how we can travel safely with them. No one's catching COVID in an airplane, right? The hotels have proven to us that you can come and stay in a hotel and not have a problem. You know, the cost service of it. So the destination weddings have started again. So people yeah. are definitely traveling to destinations. I think if one thing I've seen, the weddings have gotten a little smaller, but they're not as small as what they were, you know, during during the, the height of the pandemic. Yeah, I think it's not what I'm telling people now. I think love never goes out of style, and this passion and desire to be together doesn't go out of style either. I yeah. think the only thing that really is different now is different levels of safety. Like I've got clients in text. I don't want to hear about COVID. If COVID doesn't exist, don't you have one person around me with a mask? Our wedding's outdoors. <laughs> and then I've got people in Manhattan who said, these people have to be triple tested. Now I need to see the vaccines and social distancing. So there's a gamut. 
of you know who's ready to jump in the deep end and who's got two feet in you know six inches of water but i think the goal the desire the wish the need the want is to get back to those wonderful environments where we're surrounded by our family and friends we get to celebrate and do all the things that weddings are all made of yeah 100 i'm loving seeing people get back together and have their receptions and get on the dance floor and see the band play and just get this atmosphere back up it's uh it is exciting getting back into weddings and seeing people bold enough to go to them as well now colin you've written a few a few books i think 11 books you mentioned 11 books and this last book i just did is my first business book it's a b2b book and i yeah. called it the gold standard giving your customers what they didn't know they wanted. And it's all about harboring and building a culture in your business that's rich enough to be able to use data, technology, information, social media to find as much information about your customer or client as possible, and then crafting a guest service experience that is gonna resonate with them to create that emotional connection, because we know that everyone got a thousand traces. Do we really need another wedding planner? Do we need another hotel? Do we need another service? Do we need another app? Do we need another piece of technology? No, we're over-assorted in all those departments. So the key today is how do I stand out in the crowd? How do I get you to choose me? So I think yeah. it's about delivering this proactive service where we get to anticipate the unanticipated needs of the guests, the clients, the owners, the users, based upon information that's readily available to us today that never was there before. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's really a business book. Somebody says to me, how long did it take you to write? I said, you know, the writing was 18 months, but the content was the last 36 years. Yeah. <laughs> Only my life. Yeah. yeah. And I think that customer service today is a new currency. It's a currency yeah. that sets us apart from everybody else. And I think it's a, it's a great way to be able to work um, and to be very service-centric because it does help us stand out in the crowd because at the end of the day it's all about how i make you feel right? and if i can get you to feel it right, there's a good chance you'll come back to me before you go and find it somewhere else yeah 100 and i even put that in in terms of uh weddings you know i tell people no one's really going to remember what you said and that doesn't sound good considering i'm there as a, a spokesperson for them to get them married but people will remember what they feel. And people will remember, a, I guess, talking about a celebrant, someone who is an awkward celebrant who makes people feel uncomfortable, but someone who, who entertains and makes everyone laugh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that feeling from a, uh, from, a, from a business to a customer to I think every aspect, that feeling is incredibly important. So it's so funny, my nephew is getting married on Sunday and I'm taking on your role. Yeah. So I'm not the planner, I'm not designing, I'm not doing anything, but I'm the officiant at the wedding. There you go. Dude, I worked so hard on this, you have no <laughs> idea. I mean, two weeks, non-stop. It was insane. Yeah. Let me just see if I can find you again one second. There we go, sorry. No, that's right. So this is the first time you're officiating a wedding? The first time officiating a, officiating a wedding and, and really excited about it. I mean, I've never done this before. And uh, I mean, it's six pages long and I rewrote it and rewrote it, but I know it's, it's really good now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Well, look, from talking to you these past 30 minutes and uh, from everything I've heard, I doubt you'll have uh, 
any issues with your public speaking. So I'm sure it'll be an incredible wedding. Where is he getting married? Uh, in Boca Raton, which is about a 45 minute drive from Miami. So at a country club. So it'd be fun. Looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. And now with the books, I imagine are some of your other books about wedding planning? So yes, uh, probably like four books on weddings. I yep. wrote two cookbooks. I wrote a book on, on, on how to be. I wrote a book on style and etiquette. I wrote a book on wedding planning. And uh, it's been kind of fun, you know, and it was, and that's why I was interested in writing a business book, yeah. which has been very, very well received. And it's been fun to do this circuit. And I'm so focused on service right now because I think it does make a huge difference today. And we yeah. do live in such, such a crowded world with yeah. way too many services. Well, where can people find your books? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. I don't think it, I'm sure you get Amazon in Australia. We do. Yep. Have you done an audio book? There's the audio version as well. Yes. Did you read it? Uh, I did. I did. Absolutely. Every single word. Do you think I was, with this accent, do you think I can make anybody else do it? (laughs) Why would you pass in this accent? It was so funny. When I started, first started working in media, I had an agent who said, you have to learn to speak American. You need to go and get voice lessons to sound Americanized. And I realized that everyone always answered my phone or returned my messages. And I realized that the Americans love an accent. My yeah. accent today is the exact same accident I arrived here with 35 years ago. Yeah. I haven't changed one bit. Well, keep going with what works for you. Hallelujah. Right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Colin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your uh, just hearing about your journey and your story and then giving us some, some tips and advice and I encourage everyone to you know, go and take a look at the Colin Cowie Lifestyle wedding page have a look at the gallery look at the Instagram go on to our Amazon look for some of the books I'm sure these are even the wedding planning books are going to help um, but Colin just thank you for your time and have an incredible time officiating your nephew's wedding will do thanks so much Pete I look forward to speaking soon perfect thanks thank Colin bye Bye.